0: look in Matthew 13, Matthew chapter 13, Matthew 13 and today we're going to consider what we'd call the wayside heart. There's four types of hearts that are seen in this passage. We're just going to consider one of them today, the wayside heart. If I paraphrase it, I would just say the hardened heart. Matthew 13, we'll read verses 1 through 9, and then we're going to read Jesus' interpretation of of the parable in verses 18 to 23. Matthew 13, Verse 1 through 9, first of all, the same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto Him, so that He went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And He spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow, And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. And some fell upon stony places, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Skip up to verse 18. Hear, ye therefore, the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom... And understandeth it not, then cometh that, the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that receives seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this of this world and the deceitfulness of the riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receives seed into good ground is he that heareth the, the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. So you see here this passage in it. You'll see it in other parts of this chapter that Jesus is talking about sowing seeds, talking about agriculture, talking about planting. <clears throat> my wife and Jimmy, did you help mom the other day? Were you the one helping mom in the backyard? We have a couple small planters in the backyard we've made. We want to make a bigger one too. Um, and we, it's been a while since we had anything growing in there. And my wife gets to where, she says this often, she goes, I want to see something grow besides weeds around here, you know. I just want to see something grow. That's, I mean, she doesn't ca- I don't think she cares. She, she pretty much eats every kind of vegetable, but even if it was a vegetable she doesn't like, I think she would want to grow it anyways. I mean, she just wants to see something grow. So she, you know, we got a little compost thing. seems like our compost was doing really good. I mean, we can put lots of garbage <laughs> in it. I mean, who, you know, we can just keep putting. So we had plenty of that so we stirred it up and, and uh, get over to the, There's actually two small planters and one really <coughs> small planter and she stirred it up and and um, added the, the, uh, the stuff from the compost and wet it down and just, you know, and then planted. What did we do, bud, uh, Jimmy? Carrots, sel- Do we, have, we don't have celery. There's green onion, which that's useless. I'm not going to eat that. <laughs> uh, and um, is, what else? What is there? Is there tomatoes? Do you remember what you planted? No? <laughs> he just likes throwing seed out there, yeah. There's probably three or four things we got in our garden. And my wife, my wife she just says, I just want to see something grow, you know, besides weeds. And, um, you know, this passage here, one of the things, the big concern, God's concern is, he wants to see something grow in us. And he's, and he, and he's, he's working on that. And so this is about this is about some soil. We'll talk, let's just familiar ourselves with the passage, and we're gonna nail it, we're gonna narrow down to some particular points. But let's get familiar with this passage. We see a sower, we see seed, and we see the soil. Okay? We, let's just think about that for a moment. Here's a sower, chapter 13, verse 3. Behold, a sower went forth to sow, a farmer. He's he's tossing out seed. He went out to sow. He he he's got his pouch, and you know, we, we try to imagine what it's like back in that day because we're so developed nowadays with our machines. He had his pouch, he had his seed, and he goes down a field. A lot of the fields, they say, were plowed just indiscriminately. There wasn't furrows like we, we had, uh, well, at least for the wheat and the grain. Some of the corn, they would have furrows, so it had to have a pattern to it. But oftentimes, the, the, uh, the, the sower would just go out and he'd just be tossing the seed out, just like that, just put, put it along the field. And in that field, there's different types of soil. You'd think that the whole field was equally plowed, but there's actually different types of soil that was there. And so, but he's throwing it out. Um, and he's throwing out seed, not because he's just you know he likes the exercise. He's throwing out seed in hopes of something, in hopes of fruit, a grain, uh, uh, corn, uh, oats, something. He's, he's doing it for a purpose. I'm going to throw this out there, and I hope something grows. All right? Well, Jesus interpreted this parable for us. Look at verse um, uh, 18, Hear you, therefore the parable of the sower. Um, he's talking, and He goes on to describe how that there's people uh, that sow God's Word, that, that we are, um, that, let me just put it to you this way, uh, God sows His seed of His Word to us. The, the Word of God is the seed and God's sowing it out to us, and He'll use a pastor to, to sow the seed out to people. He'll use teachers, some of you are teachers, you're sowing seed to your class, your uh, students. A parent, you're a sower, trying to sow seeds of God's truth to your children. Um, a Christian witness, you're, you're sowing seed. And you're not just throwing information, throwing truth out to your students, to your children, Just because you like the exercise and you just love to talk. It's because in hopes of fruit, you're doing it in hopes of spiritual growth. Uh, That's why we should take our time to try to teach our kids the Bible. We should take time to try to witness to somebody. Uh, Take time, if you're a teacher, to really teach the Bible because you want to see something implanted and it grows. And our job is just to get it out there. And it's their condition of their soil is another question. But here, uh, Jesus talks about the sower and there's the seed. For us, the seed we're sowing is incorruptible, seed of the Word of God. But the emphasis here isn't on the sower or on the seed. The emphasis Jesus put here is on the soil. There's four types of soil. And the soil represents the human heart. It it represents the heart of the hearer. Okay, so um, it says here that... There are four. He shows there's four different types of soil. Look at the end of verse 19. The wayside. There's some who receive the seed by wayside. Verse 20 says there's some who receive seed into stony places. Uh, verse 22, there's some who receive seed among thorns. And then verse 23, the good ground. So try to get this in your mind. Some of you already know this. Let's picture it. I'll try to picture it quickly. Wayside is hard ground. We're going to talk about that only today. The next type of soil that seed can fall on—it's called stony places. It's not so much as saying gravel; it's saying that there's rock underneath the dirt. It looks like it's okay, but actually, under the surface, there's a problem. That's people like that. Um, so there's hard people. There's ones who there's really something underneath the surface going on there that's going to prevent it—the the growth of this lesson. And then there's. There's those that, they're busy, it's busy ground. It's all the, all the thorns and everything and the seed goes in there and it starts to grow, but then it just choked off because there's just so many other things going on. And then the fourth soil, Jesus says, is the good ground. It's just, it's plowed up, it's simple, there's not much there, there's not rock, it's not hard, there's not weeds, it's, it's ready. Those four soils, that's very interesting. Now let me just pause a second. I want us to back up and kind of get the big picture of this chapter. What in the world... This chapter is really about, um, Jesus is telling His disciples that the next age, really, before His literal kingdom is going to be characterized by these things. He he tells these, what they call them kingdom parables, and um, they are about, basically, they are a way um, it basically explains the course of the history and uh, the, the the course of human history that's coming up, or their future, I should say. Um, the prophets saw Jesus coming, and his second coming and reign. That's what they saw. It's kind of like they see two mountain t- mountain peaks. Oh, they see Jesus coming. They see his second coming. That's weird. And they see his reign. You can see prophecies. They didn't see a valley in between called the church age. All right? That's what they don't see. And Jesus is showing His disciples, listen, there's going to be a span of time between now and the time I come back, and here's what it's going to be like. And He tells these parables. And one of them is, this is how people are going to often respond in four different ways to the message. They're going to have the hard ground, the stony ground, the, the, the ground with weeds, and the open ground. These are four types of hearts. These are four types of responses to my message of the gospel wayside let's talk about wayside here verse 4 says he sowed the sower sowed fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up wayside what in the world is that can you imagine a plowed field and then on the sides there's pads you walk right there is you walk pads and maybe for us nowadays we're like oh yeah there's a path right next to the canal or the irrigation and it lets it in and but you know they, they had similar things like that where they they had to transverse in between fields and they walked down the wayside. It's a It's a way. It's a it's a way that's on the side of the field. That's what it means, and um, that part was packed down. The soil was hard. It wasn't like the the field. It was packed down like this. I mean, this is hard ground right here, and um, unpenetrated. It is. When the, when the seed is thrown. So, so the is going about and he's, he's, he's throwing seed out and it'll fall on the good part of the field and then it'll fall over on the path next to it, unpenetrated into the soil. It just bounces on that hard dirt. And then, boy, that's easy pickings. That's easy pickings for the birds, the scavenger birds like, oh, there's my food. They come in and pull that right up, right there. It's a little harder for them to pluck it out of soil that it sinks into. But they'll come and scoop that right up. And Jesus teaches us it means something. It represents something. Notice verse 19. What does that represent? When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom. Oh, he's got the seed sown on him. And understandeth it not, the idea is, he's like, "I, I don't want to consider that. It's not like, oh, I please want to understand it. I just can't understand. It's not talking about that. It's talking about somebody who's like, nah, that's not for me. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth not, then cometh that wicked one and catcheth away that which is sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. This is a hardened person. Hardened person. Unmoved. He's tough. He's proud. below Hey, eh, I can hear he can sit under any kind of message any kind of preaching any, I'm not moved I shall not be I shall not be moved you know I would hate look it's okay to be strong and to be tough it's not okay to be proud but it's okay to be some of those things but it's not okay to be hard to God if we're hard to God he's gonna win at the end of that game but some people are hard unmoved they're tough and, and some people, they come and they, they hear the word, whether it's from this pastor or another teacher or a, a Christian witness, or you hear somebody on the radio that's a decent gospel preacher, they might hear that and be like, ah, mm. And Satan comes along and sees that seed bounce on their conscience and Satan comes along and says, yeah, that the preacher's a hypocrite. Yeah, you know Christians like that. You remember your Christian neighbor? He was kind of a hypocrite. Don't believe that stuff. Remember what they taught you about evolution anyways? I mean, that's where... This creation stuff and you know young earth don't and Satan swoops that up and he's gone with it and there it goes that and it's like it never affected the guy. Satan swoops in and whispers in people's ear that have a hard heart. I don't want Satan around me at all. So that's hard ground. Let me just give you a i I'm gonna t- quickly I'm gonna try to quickly describe three. This isn't the main points, but I'm just trying to give you some a lot of illustrations today. Hard hearts. There's three people that I think of, there's more than that in the Bible, who had a hard heart. Um, Pharaoh, it's interesting, Pharaoh it says that God hardened his heart, and then it says he hardened his heart, and then it says God hardened his heart, and then he hardened his heart. And I think there's some kind of ret- retributive thing going on there with him going like this to God, and God just made it, it finished off his heart by making it concrete. But Pharaoh had a hard heart against God. He saw these miracles that God did through Moses. And he wouldn't let those people go. And he's stubborn old Pharaoh. It was so stubborn that even the Philistines later on in history... Philistines were not um, friends with Israel. Even the Philistines later on in history remembered Pharaoh's dumb move by hardening his heart with God. And the Philistines later on in history when they won in a battle and they got the Ark of God in their country and God was plaguing them, the Philistines are like, whoa, guys, you could read this. I think it's 1 Samuel, one of the chapters. They basically said, guys, whoa, what are we doing? Don't harden your hearts like Pharaoh did. Let's figure this out. Let's, let's put some things in this, this, uh, this uh, Ark and send it back. And, and basically they're saying, let's have respect to the God of Israel because Pharaoh, we saw what happened when Pharaoh didn't. He was destroyed. We don't want to be like him. And even the, even the unbelieving Philistines realized it was unwise to harden your heart against God. Anyway, so the, uh, you have Pharaoh, you have Zedekiah, the last king in Judah before they went into captivity, 1 Chronicles 36. Zedekiah was told by Jeremiah, the prophet, different words of God. Here's, here's, here's a king in God's country. Here's God's prophet prophesying to him. And Zedekiah hardened his heart against God's word through Jeremiah. Ah, Jeremiah, nobody likes you. You're not even a popular preacher. They've been throwing you in prison. So, ah. And he hardened his heart against Jeremiah. And then God had told Zedekiah through Jeremiah, when Nebuchadnezzar finally comes here to take over this country, because we're, we're done, Israel. you are going to captivity. When Nebuchadnezzar finally comes here, Zedekiah, you better submit to him. And you know what? He didn't. And he and he was and he it did not work well for him. He had, uh, he was taken into captivity and it was not pretty. Pharaoh didn't work well for him. It didn't work well for Zedekiah. There was men in a synagogue in Mark chapter 3. I'm just trying to give you three pictures here. There was men in a synagogue that Jesus went to in Mark chapter 3, and Jesus was there, and all the men were looking at Jesus, and some of them just had these hard hearts and were suspicious of him, wanted to just find something wrong with him, which you can perceptively try to find something wrong with him, even though you may not be true, because he's he's done no sin. But they were trying to find something wrong, and the guy came who had a withered hand. It was just, just a pathetic hand, couldn't move. It was just shriveled up, and the guy came to Jesus, and um, long story short, Jesus basically just said, healed this man of his of his uh, withered hand, and the man's hand was restored whole, like the other. Wow! Jesus healed this man in the Sabbath, in the on the Sabbath, in the synagogue, and all the men around. You would have thought, yes, finally the guy can use his hand. But when they all saw this man's hand healed, they went, mm. and they said, he heals on the Sabbath day, and they just find some cheesy criticism of him. And the Bible says that when Jesus, before Jesus healed that man's hand, he looked around and he asked them a question, being grieved for the hardness of their heart. He, his question was: Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? And when he said it, he was grieved for the hardness of their heart. They didn't answer him. He healed the man. They got upset. And you know what Jesus did? He left. He could have done a lot more healings, a lot more miracles, a lot more doctrines, but he left. Now, I want you to hold your place in here. Hold your place there. Go to Job 9. I just want you to see one verse from Job as we move along here. Job has a good question. (laughs) Job chapter 9. and I am messing up everything today. I know Job asked a special question here. It is about having a hard heart. Job, there is a verse, I don't know why, maybe I'm not reading, Adam, you need to be my scribe or something, right? (coughs) Okay, so I'll give you the verse that I remember vaguely. Basically, Job asked this question. He said, Basically, here's what Job said. He said, "Can anybody harden his heart against God and prosper?" That was right in front of me, huh? Thank you. Okay, God, He is wise in heart and mighty in strength. Who hath listen? Look at that. Who hath hardened himself against Him and hath prospered? we can answer that question we saw Zedekiah Uh, we saw the Pharaoh we saw the men in the um, synagogue who can harden their heart against him and it's going to go well with them nobody so I'm here telling you today there's those four soils hard heart the stony ground the thorny ground the good ground and really we only want to be this last one but we definitely, definitely don't want to be wayside hearts. Now, I want you to understand that a Christian can have all of these hearts. Okay? You can, be, you can get saved. The way you get saved is first by having some good ground that you can sow in. But afterward, you can develop in, your, in your, your soul, your spirit, your heart, you can develop a hard ground. A Christian can have a hard heart. A unbeliever can have a hard heart. I'm just saying we don't want that today. So I'm going to exhort us on this simple thought: we must put away the wayside heart and keep a tender heart. That's basically the message today. We're, I mean, I'm, I'm not done preaching, but that's basically the message today. We need to put away a wayside heart and keep a tender heart. Let me give you a couple of verses. We'll quote. We'll, um, the Bible says in Proverbs 4:23, "Keep thy heart." with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep it means maintain it. Um, keep it pure, keep it clean, um, keep it protected, etc. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Hebrews 4.7 says, Today if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts, God says. In, uh I love 2 Kings 22.19. 2 Kings 22.19 tells the story of Josiah, the young king. And um, one of the things that Josiah did was when he heard the Bible read, he hears the Bible read. I love this. Listen to this. He He didn't have some hard prophet preaching to him. He just heard the Bible read. And it wasn't even the whole Bible. He hears the Bible read, what it says... And he looks at the rest of his country, he says, man, we've messed up. Our country's messed up. God says it should be this way and we're this way. Oh, and he rent his clothes. I think he was 60. I can't remember his age at then. He was late teenager, maybe early 20. He rent his clothes. He's like, we got to do something. And he basically decided that we need to institute some biblical reform. And um, oh, he says, go inquire of the prophet. And the prophet came back to him. I think this was a prophetess in this case. Um but the, he tells them, go inquire with the prophet. They came back, the message that came back to Josiah was, um, is yes, what you read there is that if we sin, then there'll be judgment. You did read that. And yes, Josiah, there's going to be judgment on this country and there's going to be a captivity. I'm paraphrasing some of this. It's going to be a captivity. But you know what, Josiah? Because thine heart was tender, I'm going to postpone that for a little while. I'm going to postpone sending... Uh, Judah into captivity because I your heart was tender, and uh, you humbled yourself when you heard these words and rent your clothes and cried and and I God says I like that I'm going to give you kind of a little a little space here of enjoyment a little revival in the years of Josiah, and then the following years we're going to these other guys and Zedekiah was one of the ones that went into captivity. Later on, they'll they'll have that captivity and my judgment will come. But I, here's what I'm saying. Is look what a soft heart, look what a tender heart can do. Isn't that great? Well, let me ask this question. Do you care that anything grows in your life spiritually? Do you care to have anything grow? Some of us are like, you know, I'm fine if I just maintain everything that I'm doing right now. Well, we need periodical plowing in our own life so that more can grow. Um, some people... Um they, well, let me just let me just say this. There's, I want us to consider factors. Now think about this. And this is where we're going to go, the rest of our time. I want us to consider factors that produce a wayside, or at least contribute to a wayside heart. So do you see where I'm at so far that you can be like this in these other grounds that we, we'll get into later? We can become hard. What are the factors that could cause my heart to be like a wayside ground? Hard heart. What are the factors? And there's probably many, but I'm gonna I, I think of four, and I, I can see some support in scripture here. Here's the first one. Undue busyness can actually begin to harden your heart to things that are important. Undue busyness. Now there's a time for busyness. But sometimes it's all the time for some people, incessantly, busy 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 busy. What is wayside ground anyways? It's walked on all the time. Just walking, and walking, and walking, and walking, walking walk and nothing's done to it, nothing's treating it, nothing's breaking it back up. It's just walked on. And sometimes when people are busy 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 and they don't stop to um, you know, reflect and think about the Lord or pause or have something stir their mind or stir their heart that's spiritual, it's just going to get hard and hard and hard. The idea of being hard means being inconsiderate. Now think, imagine this. It's almost like you throw, if you throw a seed on hard ground, you're like, man, that seed just bounced on it. Come on, ground, don't you appreciate what I just gave you? No, it's hard. It's inconsiderate. And that's how some people are. Uh, some people, and that's what I'm trying to preach the opposite of this, but let's expose it first. Some of us, we don't want to, we don't even consider. We're inconsiderate. We hear a lot of, we have a lot of seeds thrown at us and thrown our way, it just bounces right off us. Well, I don't want to consider it. I, don't, I want to consider all my things I'm watching and listening to my other secular stuff, but I don't want to consider God. And it just bounces off of us. We don't want to be like that. Sometimes being so busy, 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 busy. Undue busyness can contribute to a wayside heart. Number two, ungodly friends or associates. I don't mean people that are, um, I don't mean that casual friends, you know, we all have some casual friends and associates, but I'm talking about when we're close with somebody, a friend or associate, and there's, a, there's an element of ungodliness or just a bad character, please listen to me, in that friend or associate, uh, that's going to affect you one way or another. And I've seen a lot of times when we have ungodly friends, and it doesn't matter if you're a teenager or an adult, it can affect. If you get close to that person, if they have a hard heart, it's going to affect yours, and they're going to harden yours. The Bible says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. That's good manners to have an open heart. But evil communications, evil associations corrupt that. The Bible says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. I mean, there's a reciprocal effect of your our friends and associates, and I want somebody who has a, 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 a tender heart. It's interesting what Paul did in Acts 19, verse 9. Paul spent some time in Ephesus a couple of times. The second time that I read of, when he went to Ephesus, he preached, and he was in the synagogue. And, uh, well, he preached in different places, but one of the times when he was in the synagogue, they, all those Jews in that synagogue, watch this, they got, they got, it says, when divers were hardened, that means when all the various sorts of people got hardened to Paul. Oh, we don't like this Paul preaching this gospel. He's, he's, cha- he's doing things that are untraditional and we don't know about this Jesus and, and um, they, it says, when divers were hardened, then Paul basically withdrew himself from them, the hard hearts, and not only that, he separated the disciples from them. And they found a school called Tyrannus, and he was, had this great forum where he could teach, I think, for a year and a half in this other place. But one thing, I'm, what I'm trying to you to see is, when Paul realized he was around people with hard hearts, after a while, he says, all right, I'm going to take these disciples that are teachable right now. I'm not going to let them stay around them and get hard. I'm going to take them over here. And he, he tried to teach... And they showed themselves unteachable. So he's going to continue on to teach the teachable and reach the reachable, because the others prove themselves to be hard-hearted. But sometimes if I'm around somebody that maybe ha- always has an attitude, kind of an arrogant person or whatever, the hard heart can affect me. But the only you know, opposite's true. Sometimes when you're around somebody that's a tender-hearted, then that help. That does help. It does help soften us. Number three, here's another factor that can contribute to having a wayside heart, is an unguarded thought life. Unguarded thought life. You know, we are characterized in God's mind by our thoughts. That's at least a big thing that characterizes us. Unguarded thought life. You know, Proverbs 23, 7 says, As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's not as he's portraying himself. But as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Some of us harness bitter thoughts. You know, it's not hard to find something bitter to think about. It's all around us. But if you keep internalizing that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to do some damage. Some of us harness and we um, we don't keep ourselves from having envious thoughts. Some of us, we, we foster proud thoughts. Um, Thoughts of a critical attitude, thoughts of unbelief, and I'm just saying these kind of thoughts can harden us after a while. Um, it takes the Holy Spirit's convicting and plowing and our humbling to uh, break up those hard heart, those hard thoughts. You start getting in a. If we, this is what I found. If you get in the habit of always thinking thoughts of bitterness and envy, it, gets, it does make you hard, and it gets, becomes harder to break that up. Let me show you a verse here. Let's look in Hebrews 3.13, very simple verse. It, talks the, it, it speaks the opposite here of breaking that up or at least preventing it. Well, in fact, let's look at verse 12 and 13. Hebrews 3, verse 12 and 13. It says, But take heed, brethren, that's believers, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Notice what it says, verse but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you, what? It's preventing something, to be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sometimes we think about sinful things that can harden us. I need somebody to exhort me. I need somebody to uh, encourage me, to preach back to me, and to stay, uh, of course, stay softened to that even, but it helps in my thought life. So, what are your thoughts? Are your, are your thoughts hardening your heart toward God? Look, there's a lot of negative things we could think about. There's a lot of unfair things we could think about that can make us hard. And, um, but nothing's going to grow in our life if we continue on that way. And then number four, here's another thing. Again, there's several things we could speak about that are factors that could cause us to have wayside heart. Factors that I want to prevent, that you should want to prevent. And I would say this is unfiltered entertainment. Unfiltered entertainment, well, sometimes we think it doesn't affect us, it'll affect the heart. Um, This is just my observation. So you can take it or leave it. You can't take it, you you need to take the Bible. But this is what I've found by this part, my my eye observation. When I had worked more with youth, I noticed this, is that just as an example, a scenario example, when we worked with teens, and of course we have people working with teens now in our church, we want to continue to do that, I remember noticing a difference between the responsiveness of kids, say at a camp week, based on the kind of music they listen to, going into that. For instance, here's what I'm, what I'm saying. is like I'm taking kids to camp. I want them all to be helped, blessed, encouraged. If they're unsaved, I want them saved by God's grace. If they're Christians, you want them encouraged. If they're backslidden, you want them to get right. So you want to take them to camp. And it's, a good, it's not the only place you can influence, but it's a good one because you isolate them and they, they have good wholesome fun and good preaching and sustained uh, day upon day. So, but what I've noticed is the kids that, like for instance, the kids that listen, they had a diet of, of, of rock music or hip-hop or whatever. If they had a diet of that, they tended to be more hard. Not that something couldn't be done, but it man, took a while to break that up. I remember preachers saying it during the week of camp. They're like, it's hard to preach to kids that are on a diet of rock music. And they were glad they at least had them for a week to get to start plowing that ground up. So the kids that were on that diet tended to be hard. The kids that were on the diet of kind of the contemporary Christian worldly music, kind of the, let's blend both of them, you know, that kind. The kids that were on that diet tended to be lukewarm. You had the hard ones with the rock, the lukewarm with their contemporary Christian music. It's like, yeah, they can kind of, they have their, they know how to deal with the preaching and go through the motions, and but they're not going to change. They're just kind of lukewarm. They're not hot for God. They're not cold, and they're just kind of in that bland. And But the kids that, that, they did they didn't necessarily have that, it was more quick on responsiveness. They, maybe they didn't have a lot of music in their life, but they had. it was at least more decent, uh, godly music. It affected their heart. What I'm saying is the media that they came into camp with affected their heart. It had already affected their heart before they came in. Um, I'm not saying people that grew up in a good home that have godly music can't develop a heart. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying I've noticed a, sometimes a particular... Um, effect in that way on, on kids. Unfiltered entertainment. You know, we gotta think. What am I watching? What am I listening to? And I'm not here to tell you everything to watch or listen to. But I'm just thinking. Ask yourself. What is this? How does this help my heart toward God? I have to be honest with you. One thing that encourages and always helps my heart is is uh, it, 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 it softens my heart. Is I love the Kendrick films. I really like them. I don't like every single thing in them. But you know what? I, whenever I watch one, I'm like, oh, I love my wife. Oh, I love my kids, you know. Oh, I need to pray. Oh, I need to win somebody to the Lord, you know. What does it do? It's doing something good to my heart. You know what I mean? And, it, it's like, and then he comes out with another movie, and it's like, I'm going to love my wife after this, love my kids. I'm going to need to witness to somebody uh, or pray more or all four after this movie, you know, and because they, they, that's what they're aiming toward. And also, you know, to just glorify God. So I'm saying you can have, there's some, not much, but there's some forms of entertainment media that can soften you and help you in that way. Wayside. Um, I saw a plow. I think I was driving by Tristan's house um, out there in Chandler a week or so ago, and I was driving by. I saw the plow pulling the, well, the tractor pulling the plow and had the big discs. And it's so simple, you know, it's just going right over that hard ground and it's just breaking it up and the clods and he'll go over it again, break it up a little more and that's all I needed to do. And now it's ready for the seed and the rain or the irrigation, however they do it. You know, um, we need to let God break up our fallow ground. There's a verse, Hosea 10, 12, it says, break up your fallow ground. It actually says, and Jeremiah says it and Hosea says it. Break up your fallow ground. Um, that, means, that means, you know, have an open heart to God so that He can sow something in you. Humble you. I'm going to tell you this. When I, I shared with you these three points about how we, our time and our friends and our thoughts and our media, we need to humble ourselves and yield those factors to Him. Don't you want something to grow in your life? Think about this. Do you want to grow? Do you want to grow in the Lord? It's not that you grow one year and it's good for the next 10 years. No. It's not that you grow one, you know, it's it's seasonal. It is seasonal, and it's but it should be consistent in a way that um, um, I should say it's seasonal that God breaks up our fallow ground. But we should we should be growing. Last thing I want to say is this. You know, the Bible says about Jesus Christ that there's a, there's a prophecy there in Isaiah that his back was like plowed fields. His back was like, a, you talking about your heart needing to be broken up for God. Just remember this, or your ground of your heart being broken up for God. Just remember this, Jesus Christ was plowed. There was nothing wrong with his heart, but his body was plowed up as a sacrifice. And he was pierced, and he was torn, and he was poked, and he was smitten, and um, for us, so we could be saved. He knows that. He knows the breaking up. And so if you haven't accepted Him as your Savior, that's the thing you need to go to, is go to Christ, Jesus, be my Savior, and tell him, show Him your open heart. Say, I want to accept you, and uh, save my soul. Take me to heaven when I die. Let's pray together. Lord.